1: It's that time of the week where we bring you the Friday edition of African Dialogue. Thank you so much for crossing over to us. Uh, my name is Ayanda Mkwanazi. We'll be driving the show together with Dumelo Zulu and Revelino Ibrahim. We're coming to you live from the SABC headquarters in South Africa, Johannesburg. You can listen to us on the DSTV audio bouquet. We're on channel 802. You can also live stream us on our website. That's on www.channelafrica.co.za day coming up on the program today we speak to Wayne Duvenage who's the CEO and founder of the organization Undoing Tax Abuse Outer Uh, he's involved in fighting corruption and maladministration across all spheres of government and then we go to what's trending with Dumelo Zulu and we round off uh, our show looking at South Africa where the good news happened this week where we received the Johnson & Johnson vaccines and um, they were administered then to the frontline workers which were our health workers as well, a very important moment in the country's history. So we talked to the nurses organization about those developments. Let's start off the show with our first segment, where we do one-on-ones with people making moves in South Africa. Today, we're joined by Wayne Duvenage, who is the founder and CEO of the organization Undoing Tax Abuse, also known as OUTA. The organization aims to fight corruption and maladministration in government. And we know them for speaking out against uh, the abuse of taxpayers' money on issues such as E-tolls, ESCOM, State Capture Commission, and many more. He joins us on the line now. Thank you so much, Wayne, for giving us your time.
0: It's a pleasure. Nice to be with you.
1: How have you been keeping during this uh, COVID period?
0: <laughs> Reinventing ourselves and the way we challenge uh, government, uh, government's said administration and abuse of power. Um, it certainly has been an, an eye-opener, but it's improved our productivity uh, and the team is extremely focused. But I think... I speak for many people who are under extreme pressure, not only from the pandemic, um, and how to circumvent uh, the challenges from that, but the economy, and uh, and, and in tackling um, the issues that need to help us become an efficient country, help us to punch well above our weight where we are right now, because we're punching well below it, we should uh, not be in the situation we're in. And, and I think this is quite overwhelming for society. And we're having to deal with that, we're both in our, in our organization, as our, in our individual lives, as, and collectively as a nation. So very challenging, but um, excited about the opportunities that come out of situations like this for us to, to fix things.
1: How far are we from fixing those things? Uh, I mean, you say we are very far from where we should be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we yet out of the mud?
0: Look, um, pre the pandemic, we were in a hole, a very difficult space because of ten years of 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 state capture or more, and just inefficient uh, inefficiency in government has has built up so much debt. So you have a broken system with Eskom. The country relies on Eskom for its energy, its competitiveness, businesses rely on it, households rely on it. Um, And if you look at local government, the same thing, an an absolute degradation of, of, of professionalism in running our towns and cities. These are the places where you and I invest. We don't build our houses in South Africa. We build them in municipalities where we pay our rates and taxes for the services we get. And if we don't get the services and we don't maintain our infrastructure, the sewage starts running down the roads as it is in many towns. The water systems dry up, the water quality goes. And so... Uh, so you're fighting local government on one front. You're fighting national government in another front from a policy and getting people to be comfortable in investing, uh, in South Africa. Um, and, and so it sounds like it's massive and it is, there's a lot to do, but I think our message is this, that we cannot give up hope because that's when you switch the lights off and you, there's nothing's going to happen. You've got to continue to have hope as individuals. And what we're seeing now is citizens becoming more involved in taking back the management of their country, of their towns. And you'll see in the local elections and the build-up that there's going to be a groundswell of people saying, we cannot trust the politicians anymore because, they're especially in local government, what they have done is messed it up. We have to now become involved in both the Uh, public engagement sessions, the budgeting sessions, the integrated development plans. When it comes to local government, we're going to start voting for independent councillors because that way you remove the political influence, this caucus uh, decision-making nonsense that that really just sidelines the the citizens' needs and the communities' needs and puts the politicians in charge of the administrators who just rob the towns and metros blind. So, this is where we've got to go. So, citizens need to step up to the plate and become part of the solution instead of sitting back and moaning about the, the bad situation that we find ourselves in. Mm.
1: Why did you start the organization Undoing Tax Abuse?
0: Well, it started initially, again, uh, government was forging ahead. Um, at those days, I just stood for Opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance. I was the CEO of a car rental company. Um, And we just found overnight that Sanro had decided, this is it. We've upgraded your freeway system. And by the way, you're going to pay for it in a very different way. It's a drive now, pay later scheme, electronic boom, electronic uh, gantries. It's not a boom down where you get 100% hit rate on payment for the road use. This is, uh, you know, the boom won't lift until you pay. This is all drive. And we'll we'll you know we'll do these agreements with everybody, and you go and register in our system, and you put money in. And we quickly saw that this scheme was fraught with inefficiencies. It was fraught with corruption because uh, the the amount that was tendered for and the amount that was signed were two different amounts. It was very expensive, and, and it was never going to work because it relied on an efficient post office to get bills to people. It relied on Uh, an efficient E-NATO system, which has the registry of all vehicles, and that is 50% inaccurate. So just those two elements alone, the gross cost, the public pushback because they're really tired of government's abuse of power, we saw that this was going to be an absolute mess. We engaged with government for a year in 2010 to try and get them to come to their senses in 2011 as well. They wouldn't listen. We launched out a at the end of 2011 into 2012 to interdict their decision. We did manage to interdict the launch of e-tolls and got the people to realize this is an issue. They've got to stand strong and they've got to defy the law, not because we want NLK, not because we want people to defy governments' laws in general, but because we need people to focus on inefficient policy that just doesn't make sense and is not good for the country and is never going to work. And we led this citizen campaign To defy government's ETOL policy and it worked it needed 90 percent of compliance to make it work they never even got to 40 percent because of the the uh, actions that we took uh, and engaging with government and communication strategy Uh, and today we sit with uh, a a very successful citizen campaign to get government to come to its centers on a very bad policy they should never have made this decision and they still got to pull the plug finally so that the last between 15 and 18 percent will stop paying, but for all intents and purposes, it's been a very successful campaign. So we started on that, and then a lot of people started asking us why just details? Can't you go beyond details and challenge other areas of mm. maladministration? Mal- and we decided to do so if we got the funding. We launched a, a citizen based crowdfunding ma- a mechanism, and that took off, and today, we have 44 staff, professional legal people, project managers, communication experts, and investigators that, that do a lot of good work. We've done over 200 projects besides eTOLs and challenging government. And But there's never enough people and there's never enough resources because there is so much to do.
1: If we look back at this uh, very successful campaign against the eTOLs, I mean, is it safe to say that uh, eTOLs, Is a thing of the past even though the government hasn't said anything official
0: yes it is um because we can see how they're accounting for it they they they, they didn't want to write off the funds in the beginning they have had had to write it off because the accounting principal said unless you can prove you're going to get the funding uh you can't keep it in your books uh, in the balance sheet so they've started to write that off They've also capitulated in the legal case. We In 2019, uh, they pulled the plug on. We had a, a test case scenario where we were going to court against Sanral. They agreed that we'd run a test case. Um, they've pulled the plug on that. They've stopped summonsing people. They do send out final demand letters because some people fall for it and still pay. But there's no more summonsing allowed, and quite frankly, the The Credit Bureau Association told them they cannot have default judgments, in other words, blacklisting anybody who's outstanding has outstanding debt on e-tolls. All of these things have just become a tsunami, and uh, we know from the back rooms and the discussions, they've resigned themselves to the fact that a drive-now-pay-later electronic tolling scheme in this country will never, ever work. We don't have the administrative competencies, skills, and mindsets of people to apply, I mean, you can clone number plates in this country. Where ETOLs works in other countries, you can't. You can't do that. You can't run roughshod over the process of vehicle registration and that this country doesn't have that um, those strong administration processes in place to enable, to, to manage something as complex as an toll scheme. So for all intents and purposes, it's dead. But until government makes that announcement and rules these roads as not being subjected to Mm. e-tolling, there will be a few companies and a few government departments that will keep paying, uh, unfortunately pushing up the price uh, of doing business in this country for them.
1: Mm. When you think back to your younger days, Wayne, were you always so outspoken about crime and corruption and um, making a difference in society?
0: Yeah, look, I came from the corporate world. And I've, when I'm asked this question often, I've, I've looked back at my past. And yes, I've been just somebody who speaks up against things that don't make sense. That stuff, when it's, when it's not right for whatever you're trying to achieve, then you need to address it. Uh, instead of allowing those in power and those in authority to try and build those um, things in place. So even in the corporate world, I remember a young Um, branch manager at at Avis, challenging the executives, uh, you know, us sitting down in places like George or or in Namibia, uh, trying to run operations and saying, guys, if you're going to do this element of the business properly, you need to change your processes and being able to speak up, speaking up to the extent that, you know, I recall challenging uh, the CEO at the time, saying, well, you've got your facts wrong, and you're challenging me on something, and uh, if, you don't, if you don't get your facts right, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that message that I gave to the individual at the time was was a pretty career-limiting one, but it turned out to be one that I think opened the eyes of management to say, okay, th- there, is a, there is an issue here, we need to fix it, and it's coming from a junior manager in the organization. And those are the little things that made me realize that you do stand up, you you yes, you might it uh, might cost you your career in that case it didn't, but if uh, if you do and you bring about change, uh that's meaningful. and that's what I enjoyed in the corporate world. and and as as i as I became the CEO and saw what was happening in the space of sustainability, you know government should be driving uh, things so much better in in and and so much more efficiently. Uh, in in so many areas, we had to challenge the EITI matter, and it, it really sucked me out of the corporate world because I had to make a choice: either do this challenge properly and spend time and energy on it, or I stay as the CEO at Arta, I mean at Avis, and I I'd been CEO for five years and decided, look, this is a this is a, a, a worthwhile cause. We've got to go and do this. I really thought it would take a year for government to come to their senses, but. I guess it was great because it sucked me into a new role in my life, which is to build an organization that makes a difference in this country. Mm.
1: And we'll talk more about that uh, after the break. I'm in conversation with Wayne Duvenage. He's the founder and CEO of the organization Undoing Tax Abuse, uh, also known as Outer. We'll find out more about um, Outer and more about himself as well, uh, what drives him, his passion, and um, how do we get people to be involved in issues where civil action needs to be taken. We'll do that after this break.
0: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
1: Welcome back to African Dialogue. A reminder that in about 20 minutes' time, you'll get an update from the econ desk, followed by the sports news. For now, let's continue though with our conversation with the CEO of the organization Undoing Tax Abuse, also known as outer Wayne Duvenage. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Wayne, you know, when you look at uh, the way South Africa is at the moment, you know, corruption is deeply entrenched. Today, we're seeing, uh, we saw in the morning the appearance of the Secretary General of the African National Congress on corruption and fraud charges. Uh, Do you still believe in our justice system?
0: Um, Yes, I do. It's the one system that uh, was never really captured, although um, the authorities tried to do so uh, at the time. Um, So, the justice system, the the court processes, our con- strong constitution, uh, w- uh, you know, was, was, was robust enough and it was upheld. Uh, all that was um, hijacked for many years was the NPA. Um, and there we, we saw Sean Abrams just turning a blind eye to stuff that needed to uh, ha- go down the prosecutorial route. Um, that's been removed. You know, Shamila Batoy has been put in place, Hermione Krenier, uh, in heading up the independent directorate. The, but those institutions were hollowed out they were damaged their capacity has uh, declined they've lost a lot of expertise and they're on the road to building those and i think um i think we're excited about the fact that things are now starting to happen just six months ago if you if you are somebody do you think Ace visula would ever be charged uh people would have laughed at you well it's happening and we see what's happening now and unfolding at at the uh, with with Jacob Zuma the under commission. I'm afraid uh, if the rule of law flows and it has to flow, um, he's going to have to be arrested, and uh, and and so we start seeing the court processes are are going to unfold. Look, we should be a long way down the road, it's further ahead than where we are, but at least things are going in the right direction. So yes, the short answer is I do have faith, but but frustrated.
1: <laughs> mm. What drives you? Where do you get your energy from?
0: I think people drive me. Uh, the, the the fact that we've got so much to do and there's so many good people. I think we always think that we're in this tough situation because everybody's bad. No, it's not. It's, it's a small percentage of people that make it bad for everybody. And, and, and the belief that South Africans, through our diversity, through the protection of what we fought so hard for, uh, to have the freedom, um, we shouldn't waste it. You know, we've got immense natural beauty natural resources and and our diversity that says we should be uh so far ahead I mean, I mean why does why does a place like australia who has one rock and uh and a barrier reef and a kangaroo attract 10 times more tourists and they really are, uh, are at the end of the world to get to than, than we do uh, you know we're overnight you, in europe you're you're here uh, and we should just have so much more tourism. We should have so much more uh, responsible mining. We've got uh, and beneficiation of, of of what we what is mined in this country. We're just allowing our politicians to get away with too much, and and the, the opportunity to fix that drives me. The opportunity to make I think, citizens understand their power which is what we did on the Eaton Matter. Mm. There was so much fear around challenging a law and, and breaking a law. And we were able to show people, if you stand together and you break the law responsibly, but only those laws that are irrational and inefficient, you can bring about change. And that's what we've got to do more of. And So people, they are, our country inspires me.
1: Mm. We're in a very dark place. Uh, some may say right now as a country where to from from here, a lot of people are feeling hopeless. A lot of people have lost jobs due to the coronavirus and already the economy wasn't doing so, mm-hmm. so great. Um, you know, do you see us um, what, what message of hope would you give to those South Africans?
0: Yes, well, it's it's a very natural feeling to feel hopeless, to feel depressed, and we have this national depression setting in, uh, and the coronavirus has certainly dug the hole deeper uh, for us. So, but we've got to get out. We've got to work harder to get out of the hole, uh, as opposed to giving up collectively as a nation. So, so um, it's 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 okay to feel hopeless and helpless from time to time. It is. But we've got to start focusing, working collectively. So my my advice, and this is what Arts is working on right now, we're building uh, a a disruptor application and a platform that enables communities to become more organized. Because when communities are organized but for the right reasons and constitute themselves properly, they have power. Then they can hold the feet of the councillors to the fire when it comes to, if you're not going to spend our money in this municipality properly, uh, we are going to hold you to account. And there's ways to do that to build cases and to collectively uh, challenge local government without destroying the libraries and the, and the councillors' houses and that. But do it properly. You can bring about changes uh, collectively. And, and then different communities need to work together. You know, other sides of the road to attract the people who are paying rates and taxes need to assist indigenous communities because collectively we're all fighting for the same thing. A, a, a properly run municipality where all our water systems, not just some of them, are fixed up. All the sewage systems are fixed up. Roads are built in indigenous communities as well. Uh, and and there's enough money uh, and there's enough grants that are coming through from treasury into municipalities It's just being squandered because the political powers have hijacked the administration. So our message is seize your power back, is it through collectiveness in your local communities. Form your structures and let's get working. Let's attend those public engagement sessions that the municipality don't want people to attend. Let's let them know what we feel about how they're running our municipalities and our metros. I mean, Joburg is just crumbling as a as, a, as the biggest city in, in Africa, mm. uh, it's just sad that we're in this situation. We, must, we mustn't we must let it be. We we stop moaning about what our politicians are doing, mm. we must stand up now and start saying, well, what are we going to do about that? Mm.
1: Lastly, I mean, if you were the president for a day and you had all the power to do or, or change something, what are two things that you would change or you would do with that power?
0: Well, that's first. I don't know how you do it in the day, but first we set up policies that sort out education. It's so sad to see so much happening, uh, misspending there where where we're not, where people are getting through to matric, you're trying to get into the education system, tertiary education system, and they're becoming unemployable because we're not dealing with uh, giving birth to an a, a education system that is going to make us innovative and entrepreneurship. And there's just so much to do in that space. Um, and then to get rid of states and entities that are sucking us dry, that are not core to our, our country, uh, um, uh, release those funds uh, and then de- tackle corruption. Make sure everybody who's involved in corruption or maladministration are removed from their positions of power and introduce corruption courts and introduce a meaningful corruption fighting system so that we can free up all the money lost to corruption, put it back into the system and create the jobs, create the housing, create the uh, education and health systems that we need.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been fantastic speaking to you. Thank you for giving us your time. We know that you are a busy person, but we really appreciate that.
0: Always a pleasure. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much. That's the voice of Wayne Duvenage, She's the founder and CEO of the organization Undoing Tax Abuse, also known as Outer. Well-